Hello, friend. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Zach Holt, and this is Come to the Table. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Hurt and heartache are replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are, where we are. In our time together, we will step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. So if you're hungry, you came to the right place. Well, guys, we're so excited uh, on today's show. I think we're episode number four, episode number five, and it's just been a, a whirlwind and so fun. And we, we truly appreciate the feedback that we've received. Uh, so grateful uh, to WEHC 90.7 FM and uh, WISE 90.5 for, for hosting us and just the hospitality of opening their doors uh, and creating room for, for just what I think is a really helpful resource for the community. Uh, so always grateful for their support, grateful to have you listening today, and uh, you've got a treat. I've got a dear friend of mine uh, and a good friend that I know through Recovery Rhythms named Ben Robinson. Uh, he's going to join us today and share a little bit uh, about a, a new business that they've started, ways that they're connecting and resourcing with those that are in recovery, and so really excited to see how God will move in this conversation. So, uh, Ben, Welcome. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for uh, having me, man. Uh, and I'm glad that you're doing this. It, it, I think it's going to be really good for the area. Yeah. And um, and uh, and uh, just the, I'll go ahead and jump in and tell you about me a little That's bit. That's great, uh, awesome. Um, you know, I, I came from a dysfunctional family on both sides of my family. Uh, my grandfather was a bootlegger, and he uh, and then. And we came from uh, Athens, Tennessee, which is in between Chattanooga and Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, it was a dry county. And my grandfather was a bootlegger, and and um, but he was a real bad drunk. And uh, he one time he got drunk and uh, shot my grandmother and killed her. Well, in and then also he did he shot two of her brothers too. I mean, so very violent, very you know a lot of violence and stuff. You know, with the you know that side of the family, uh, which he had uh, seventeen kids, so they all, uh, so the ripple effect of that not having parents, uh, you know, seventeen, uh, seventeen like kids, one more than sixteen. Yeah, wow. yeah. So okay. big uh, uh, real big. Um, and then on the other side, uh, well, he he shot my grandmother and mm-hmm. killed her, and then uh, wow. and then so then on the other side, my mom's mom. Uh, she was addicted to nerve pills and stuff, so she ended up um, shooting herself and killing herself. And then my mom found her, mm-hmm. so you know they ended up, uh, you know, from so a lot of traumatic stuff on both sides. You know, a lot of alcohol and drug addiction on both sides, and uh, just you know. And then so I'm raised in that, and of course my one of my brothers ended up being you know alcoholic and drug addict, and then um, and then. Uh, well, another one, two of my brothers did, but um, ended up. So then I was raised. Uh, my dad ended up um, leave. He was never really in my life for a long period of time, well, a real early age. And then my uh, so my mom was a single mom, which she did a fabulous, but lived real in a lot of poverty. And then uh, so um, whenever I was growing up, I loved attention. 
And uh, so I was the one that would get in trouble in school. I was the one throwing the paper wads. I was the one that mouthing off. I was, you know, I just, you know, I take one for the team. I, you know, if you like me, if you like me, if you laughed at me, you like me, and if you like me, oh, I fit in. You know, I was trying to fit in by standing out. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, in but then um, you know when in of course. Somewhere, starting getting kicked out of school at an early age for all the just little behaviors, not like nothing major or anything, but just and uh, but and that's and all this is before I even started drinking, uh, and then I found alcohol and started drinking, um, and went from drinking to smoking weed, and then went from smoking weed to pills, and then cocaine, meth. I mean, just. I uh, just did the gamut, you sure. know, and, um, and so, the, you know, you know, at first it was, um, it was fun, you know, fun, you know, I fit in, you know, I'd be able to talk to people, I'd talk to the women, dance, you know, all that stuff, you know, but it started being fun with consequences. Yeah. And then, but the consequences wasn't so bad that it over, it overdid the fun. I mean, the consequences weren't that bad. I'd, I would, you know, and I'd take the consequences because I, what it done for me was so amazing. That's right. And, you know, and then um, eventually, uh, but, it, you know, then it started just being a whole lot of consequences and then it become uh, a whole lot of major consequences. Yeah. And, uh, and then, Going to jails and uh, institutions, and right. um, uh, I, I, I'm a recovering criminal. Also, mm-hmm. uh, I've been arrested for about anything and everything you can think of, uh, anywhere from um, anything from um, underage drinking to PIs to DUIs. If it's got an I in it, I've <laughs> done it. You know, I've been arrested for it, and then and then and then I kind of went up from there. Went from. Uh, Evading arrest, mm-hmm. uh, breaking in cars, breaking in yeah. businesses, breaking in houses, um, um, uh, and then even went to I got busted on a meth lab. Yeah, and uh, so uh, you know stealing transfer truck on Christmas night I stole yeah. uh, I stole a, a, a transfer truck and I uh, and I thought I thought that would be easy to drive. Well, when you're drinking in on Xanaxes. And you don't know how to drive one, they are a lot harder than you think. <laughs> but anyway, got arrested for that and stuff. So, you know, a whole lot of consequences uh, started coming from it. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, a, you know, a little brief description of. Yeah. Well, one thing that, that I want to want to ask in uh, a couple of episodes uh, ago, we were uh, framing a story and we talked about kind of three basic things that a lot of people are looking for in their mm-hmm. life. And one is acceptance, one mm-hmm. is significance, and one is security, acceptance, significance, and security. Yeah. Can you maybe share about how in the early days uh, your use uh, corresponded with acceptance and significance and security? Okay, so... In the early days, in the early days, well, I mean, I like would when you're say kind of just discovering right, everything yeah. and you're getting into it. Did it did it do something in terms of like your sense of acceptance into mm-hmm. community, belonging, yeah. like significance, like meaning, mm-hmm. and then security? Did it like give you a sense of like safety and stability? Yeah, yeah, and 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 what it done for me was um, 
you know, I'd, I'd always be insecure and stuff. I, I stuttered a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I had a real bad speech impairment, and and um and so I'd get made fun of and stuff about that, you know. And I was just mm-hmm. I was poor and stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. and then I started drinking and stuff, and then I was real funny, mm-hmm. and everybody started liking me, and me, you know. And I was the life of the party, and I was this, and you know, and, and it done a lot for me, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and and you know, and the things that I was worried about for whatever reason, whenever I start drinking, I ain't worried about them. You know, well, you, you know, I, it, so then I'm not worried about if anybody likes me. Mm-hmm. I'm me. I, mm-hmm. And it, so it gave me this stuff that I never had. And then, and I was trying to do it with attention. Mm-hmm. And it would work a little bit. But this mm-hmm. gave me all of it. And and so, um, you know, in and I did it and I liked it so mm-hmm. much, I'd do more. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and then, of course, if I if this works, this will work even mm-hmm. better. So it even made me mm-hmm. go more advanced in my alcohol and drug addiction because I try other stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it worked. Yeah. And he gave me all that, the security, the mm-hmm. acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt... <clears throat> I always felt whenever, uh, whenever I was I was out there and I was uh, can relate to that that feeling of you know the life of the party. Um, I always thought that dope and alcohol made me into the person that everybody wished mm-hmm. I always was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, when I removed uh, the alcohol and the dope, and now I'm trying to like learn who I am, mm-hmm. um, I had to start like from scratch. Yeah. So when, you know, consequences get bad, the pain gets greater than the fear of living without mm-hmm. it. You get to that jumping off place. What, what, what is that, what does that rock bottom look like? And then how did it, uh, how did it kind of help you shift into a new mindset, a new paradigm of living, uh, without the enslavement of those chemicals? Can you take yeah. us to that part in your story? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, got to where, I got to where that it was, you know, I was doing it so much. And then, you know, and then I, I, I didn't mean to, but I started hurting a lot of people with it. Sure. You know, because it was doing it, it you know, it, it got to where I was doing it and I knew that there was problems. So what I would do is I'd substitute. I'd go from one to another, you know, I'd go, you know, trying to find the right chemical balance of it, you know, to try to make it to where, but and then in that, what I started doing was I started stealing from my family. I started uh, I started um, um, hurting people. I started going to jail, disappointment. I started just doing a lot of things to all these people, and 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 it got to where it, and then the consequences that I started having having was. Um, well, one of the things that really happened where I, I got to where I didn't care about nobody. Mm-hmm. It took me to a real dark spot because I'd, I, 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 I even got to where I wanted to quit doing it mm-hmm. and I couldn't quit, you know, I, because, you know, you go so long and you're like, mm-hmm. all right, what I'm going to do is. Uh, I'm going to do the. I still want to do it, but I need to get the right chemical balance. But then it gets to where I'm like, 
you know, I need to stop this and I can't. Mm-hmm. And then and then I start and, and, and then I start hurting people even more at a deeper level. Uh, you know, I, and, you know, I ended up uh, my daughter ended up dying. Mm-hmm. And because of my alcohol and drug addiction and um, and through it, you know, um, I, my soul was so dark, mm-hmm. I could not care. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took everything from me. Mm-hmm. It took in, it took me, took my ability to care about other people and what I was doing to my mom. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about her grieving. I didn't care about... Um, what Angela, my 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 daughter's mom, was going through. I, uh, you know, I went and tried to fight everybody at the funeral home. Uh, you know, um, I didn't care what they were going through. It takes all my ability to care for another human being away. I don't have no compassion, no understanding, no empathy. I don't have nothing. I'm just a dark. Mm-hmm. So that is lost, mm-hmm. and and I don't know how lost I am, mm-hmm. and you know, and then it took me to a real, you know, a bad place, and and then you get to a place to where you get so dark, and you get so lonely and so scared that you, you you don't think there's any hope for you, and you don't think mm-hmm. you think you're in quicksand, and you ain't ever gonna get out of this, right. and you, you and you think that you don't deserve to get out of it because of all the stuff that you end up doing for your alcohol and drug addiction, and you don't think, and for whatever reason, you don't think there's no forgiveness for you. You don't think that there's anybody, you really think that if you're out of this world, it's better for everybody in the world, Mm -hmm. your friends, your family, your mom, because all you do is cause pain to them. And I don't want to, but I don't know how not to. So I mean I don't know if that really hit on what you was, but I think it I think it did. Yeah. I want to pause for a second and uh, remind you that you're listening to Come to the Table on WEHC FM ninety point seven and Wise mm-hmm. FM ninety point five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're enjoying a great time of conversation uh, with my brother Ben Robinson, um, sharing a little bit. And and Ben, I want to pick up on something that you just shared, and I think a lot of us can relate to. Uh, There's a reading that I do quite often, and in it the author says, uh, I know the good thing that I should do, uh, but I can't do it. Every time I want to do the good thing that Mm -hmm. I know I ought to do, evil is right there with me. And so it is this conundrum where your flesh kind of wants to do one thing, but your Mm -hmm. spirit kind of wants to do another. And it is almost like this dualistic existence between light and dark, this interplay Mm -hmm. between angels and demons where you feel that you're just being pulled apart Mm -hmm. at your core, and it makes it so hard to navigate forward. And, and I do want to say, man, I thank you so much for, for your transparency and all of that. I know our, our listeners will be uh, blessed by that openness and that vulnerability and that honesty because something happens, like we were talking before we started the show, um, you know, as we, as we tell our stories, uh, things just come alive uh, and it becomes personal, it becomes mm-hmm. visceral. And so I just want to thank you for your honesty in the midst mm-hmm. of all of that. Um, so 
one of the kind of running quotes that we've been sort of working with uh, over the past several weeks and the past several interviews is from a guy named Johari Han. And Johari Han says that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it is human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you kind of stepped out of that isolation, you kind of broke into the light, uh, hope began to kind of, uh, how, how has uh, community, um, how has fellowship with others, mm-hmm. um, can you share you know, about five minutes about the significance that that's played in the solution for you? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so whenever you're at that low point and, you know, you're at that low point and there's no hope for you. And you're looking for it in all areas. You're, I mean, you want, you want some hope for your life and stuff. And then, and what happens is you get hopeless. And then you are, your ears are more open. And then, and then I, and there was people that came into rehab. There was, uh, and you know, and they told my story. Yeah. And then uh, the identification, and they told me they didn't tell me just the superficial stuff. They told me some of the stuff that they'd done, and they told me that they went and stole their kids' piggy bank money mm-hmm. and went and drank. Yeah. They went and told them that that they uh, put their hands on people and sure. and you know and didn't mean to didn't want to uh, they told me these things and and you know and, and I was like oh my god I did that too I they're telling my story and you know and what happened was in that moment what I was like maybe there's a chance for me if there's a chance for them that's right yeah and and in that what happened was I listened I heard, and then I went, and I said, how'd you do that? Can you show me how? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in the power of identification is what makes one alcoholic, one drug addict be able to connect to another. Right. You know, and where I went to God, I would go to God, and I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't hear God. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see God. I was so mm-hmm. dark. But he sent another drunk, and I could see them. And, and the ultimate weapon, in the ultimate tool, I think, in recovery and for God mm-hmm. is another person that's just like you. And, and, you know, and, 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 and so what happened was uh, if, if somebody came and they told their story and they helped me, and they guided me, and they showed me how to get through this. It is my duty, my honor, and it's my life to make sure that I tell somebody else they can too, that they, they have a chance, that they, there is hope for them. They're, they aren't totally broken. God's in the recycle business. That's right. That's right. That's beautiful. <clears throat> And I think when <clears throat> the experience that you shared was so so beautiful, so so well put, and whenever we're able to defeat that lie, you know, because I think in in addiction we believe a lot of lies, mm-hmm. believe a lot of things uh, yeah. that that aren't true. Um, and one of the one of the lies that and it's kind of like uh, lies are kind of like mushrooms. Like when yeah. you, when you feed them and keep them in the dark, they do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but when you expose them uh, mm-hmm. into the the sunlight, something uh, redeems and transforms. I had an uh, an early mentor that really loved Thich Nhat Hanh, and he would always kind of say these like ethereal kind of things to me. Yeah. And but one of those 
was that truth is like sunlight. It transforms everything. And so one of the lies that I think was shattered through my engagement with different recovery Mm -hmm. fellowships and things like that um, was that I'm not alone. Um, And in the end of my addiction, whether I was in a jail cell in solitary confinement or whether I was sleeping behind Walmart or whether I was in some sketchy motel off exit 10 in Bristol, like I was by myself. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that uh, that isolation and that solitude like ensnared and strangled me. And so when I began to hear other stories, uh, same exact experience, I thought, man, if if Ben can do it, maybe I can do it. If Mm -hmm. Steve can do it, maybe I can do it and begin hearing your story over and over again and it's like finally it begins to wash over you Mm -hmm. and you're like this is this is what I want and so when you recognize um, you know a lot of people I think would would make the argument that addicts and drunks are we're weak-willed people Um, but it's like when when we are consumed with something ferocious inside of us ferocious in a beautiful way Mm -hmm. uh, when we get a taste of the furious love of God that is just circling around us something in us changes and I now know that uh, recovered addicts and alcoholics are some of the most unstoppable people in mm-hmm. the world because of this compulsion. We've mm-hmm. been consumed with God's love, and we are compelled by that love to carry this message to mm-hmm. those who still suffer and still yeah. struggle. Uh, so in that way, I think we are tremendously blessed um, because we get a, a front row seat uh, to watch God at work, just opening the eyes of the blind. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like uh, sitting in front of another uh, alcoholic or another addict, and, and it's that moment when the eyes open yeah. and they see. Uh, and what you see, it changes how you live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to take a, a few minutes and uh, really want to hear. Uh, so recently mm-hmm. you've kind of stumbled into uh, uh, an opportunity to help house mm-hmm. those in recovery. So we have about five minutes left. Why don't you want to share a little bit about uh, what are Freedom Houses, uh, kind of what's the function of it, the vision of it. Just share a little bit with that, uh, with our community. Yes. Um, so I've been in recovery for, uh, you know, over 17 years now. And, uh, and then one of the things that I've seen in our area is we just, the recovery housing, you know, people are going into uh, the streets. They're going into Salvation Army. They're going uh, back into their families. They're going in, they're not ready. And in, in, in what we we saw a big need in it. So what we done is... Um, we decided we would go and make freedom houses and in uh, their sober living. We, I call them recovery housing. Uh, they're called sober living, but we are recovery because we're about recovery in our houses. Uh, we we, uh, we pause. It. Why don't you? Because yeah. this is really good. This is really really good. So, what's the difference between, uh, in your terminology, your language between sobriety and recovery? How would you distinguish? Okay, so. Uh, and I don't think too much difference, but I think that some people think that they just can come in there and if they're sober mm-hmm. and they go to work, mm-hmm. that that's enough. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we're we're going to try to we are going to make it to where that they work on their spirituality mm-hmm. and they they work on getting close to God and then and, and they will go to work mm-hmm. they will they will they will their mental capacity will be better they will you know we're, we're going to focus on that mm-hmm. and so that means that we're going to have them going they're going to four uh, recovery meetings a week uh, they're going to do house meetings. Mm-hmm. 
uh, each week. Uh, they're, um, we're having a 12-step fellowship <clears throat> come in each week and do it and they have to get a sponsor they have to go through the 12 steps uh with their sponsor and we are every week we are watching and progress the progression of it if they are not in the recovery process we they we will dismiss them from the program because it's not about just staying sober we want them to trans have a transformation we want them to leave here and be able to be in the world and transition out there and be productive members and have a purpose and go help somebody else you know pay it forward you know and and if they're just sober i the i think the percentage is of them going back to drinking is a whole lot higher higher than if they get in recovery and they are and, and they find that purpose. So I think if <clears throat> anybody out there may be able to check my math on this a little bit, but to my understanding, if you look at an iceberg, an iceberg, uh, only about five to seven percent of it is visible. Um, and that's about the, the weight that I would place on sobriety itself, because I think like an iceberg, mm-hmm. uh, 95% of it is beneath the surface. And I think that's where recovery comes in, mm-hmm. because for me, recovery has so much more of a, of a robust uh, meaning in life than just not using, right. just not drinking because um, I believe that God came mm-hmm. to give us a fully alive life, yeah. not just not just to not use, not just to not drink, but to step into a space where you're like, this is what it was supposed to be like mm-hmm. all along. Uh, and that's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, brothers, we're getting close to, to the end of our time here. It's amazing how fast uh, 30 minutes clips by. It's been a blessing to get to talk to you. Um, in about 60 seconds, what... What would you, what advice, what word, what sentence, what thought would you offer to the person who is still struggling in addiction and alcoholism? I would, I would say I hope you get very hopeless. Mm-hmm. I hope you lose all great ideas. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't have no more great ideas. And, in, in, and then seek mm-hmm. out somebody else and ask them, beg them mm-hmm. to help you. Yeah. Beg you and then put no conditions on how or restrictions on how they help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say whenever I go to jail, do I care who bonds me out? Mm-hmm. I, I don't say, hey, let me check your resume, please. I just <laughs> want out. Uh, you know, uh, whenever whenever I get to that hopeless place, mm-hmm. I put no restrictions on how I get help and, and what or who helps me. Yeah. So oh, that's so good. That's so good. And uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, an author, in a, in a famous line, he says, in the end, uh, there will be two types of people. There will be those uh, who say to God, mm. thy will be done. And then there will be those to whom God says, thy will be done. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that great divorce uh, of my will from mm-hmm. God's will and complete devastation, depression, destruction, mm-hmm. absolute surrender is what brought mm-hmm. us total freedom. And it sounds so counterintuitive. Yeah. Like uh, you surrender to win. Yep. Like when you acknowledge defeat is when you mm-hmm. find victory. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we have these little ladies will come and they'll say, hey, can you pray for my little, my little grandnephew, Billy, you know, so that he'll be okay. And I said, I, mm-hmm. I'll pray for him, but I don't know yeah. if you want the prayer that I'm praying for him because right. I pray hopelessness, devastation, losing everything, spares life, but yep. take everything away. Mm-hmm. Um, because only when 
everything is gone. We're absolutely devastated and crumbled and crushed and defeated uh, by the adversary that we reach out to something bigger and something beautiful. Uh, so man, so, so grateful for you. Um, how can, uh, how can folks reach out and find out about Freedom House? Do you have a, a website you can point people to or what's I, the I, best? The best, uh, we, we do have, um, www.freedomtn.com and then, but the best is to call me or Dylan and then, uh, that's 423-333-7746. And um, and if anybody needs any help, we even if they don't have money, yeah. um, uh, we will work with them because the uh, biggest thing for us is is not about the money. It's about we want to ch- help change lives. That's right. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Come to the Table. We hope that it has either been an encouragement to your recovery or created in you a curiosity about what it means to live into a radical new mindset of selfless service to others. If you'd like to know more about our ministry or for coaching on how you can more faithfully walk with others in their time of need, we would love to connect with you and pour into you. If you're interested in recovery resources or creating intentional spaces for spiritual growth, you can reach out to us at thetablebristol117 at gmail.com. Or you can look us up at www.thetableministries.com. Friends, you don't have to walk this road alone. Hope, redemption, beauty from ashes, light from dark are all closer than you know. Mm -hmm. Grace and peace to you, my friend.